Hello and welcome to the Wide Teams Podcast, the podcast for geographically dispersed teams and remote workers, located on the web at wideteams.com and on Twitter at Wide Teams. This is episode 89. I am your host, Avdi Grimm. And joining me today is Mark Simino. Uh, Mark, if you would, uh, could you just briefly introduce yourself? Sure. I am uh, Mark Simino. I work uh, remotely for a small, tiny company called RecHub. Been doing that for about the last year, and I've been a developer, um, a Ruby developer for the last six years, and a, a web developer for the last twelve. Cool. And uh, I understand that you have some experience working remotely. Yes. So for the last year, solid, I've worked remote pretty much a hundred percent of the time. Before that, I worked at a at a, a company that had a ten person development team, and I worked remote uh, basically on an ad hoc basis. But it's it's uh, pretty different experiences. Okay. Well, uh, can you talk about the, the differences in, in experiences? Sure. So at least from my perspective, whenever I was part of a team that was typically all in the office, and then sometimes like there was, there was one remote worker, 100% remote, he was in Florida, and then like other people would kind of work from home like a, a day here, a day there, some afternoons. I found that it was actually quite difficult to get communication on, on all the channels. Like we tried to use HipChat and things like that. And we, we struggled quite a bit because it was so much easier to do the, the easiest thing where you'd raise your hand and say, Hey, can you tell me a little bit about this? And then those people were basically left out of the loop, which we, we tried a little bit to kind of, you know, do the standups every morning and keep people mm-hmm. in the loop as much as possible. But it's, uh, it's just tricky. On the other hand, working remotely full time, completely different. The only time I get to, you know, have contact with the other people in my company is, you know, we have a 2:30 in the afternoon call that we do every day. It usually lasts uh, roughly an hour because it's not just a stand up, it's also like, hey, where what happened today in the, you know, product and what changes do we need to make? We're, you know, pretty early on, so we're we're trying to be very agile mm-hmm. and and so anyway, we end up, we end up kind of having those, those calls and all our communication has to go through email or, uh, you know, the online video. So it's, everything's kind of, you know, documented and it's pretty, pretty easy, much easier, I think, to keep up with all that stuff. Mm. Now you are, you're a sole developer in a, in your team, right? That's correct. Okay. And are the other people, uh, how many other people are involved here? So we have Three founders, two of which are kind of involved on a day-to-day basis. They okay. have the, the business idea, and I'm basically the developer that implements all of their ideas. And uh, are they co-located, or are they also remote from each other? They are also remote from each other. Oh, okay. I no imagine office, that, that probably makes things a little bit easier, right? I mean, it it makes things a lot easier. I'm never uh, they they have some conversations and we have we have individual t- you know two way conversations. It's not like we have made some conscious effort to say there will only be you know three way conversations between those the three of us. Right. But we have uh, generally speaking, those are the exception and not the rule. Right. So that, that makes a lot makes a big difference. That's good. You don't feel quite so out of the loop. Right. So uh, I mean, are are you liking it? Do you do you uh enjoy working remotely so 
I uh, I love working remotely. The I mean, I love the fact that I have a 20 second commute. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, so you you work from home. Yes, I work from home. That's right. Mm-hmm. And I love I love having that. I really I quite enjoy the idea of being able to when we need to add people to our team to be able to add them from anywhere in the United States as opposed to you know being confined to Austin. I think Austin is a great place, mm-hmm. but it's it's kind of one of those things where it's like oh man this would be you, you it's also a really competitive place and there's lots of really good developers kind of all over the place. Anyway, um, I really love uh, working remotely. I like being able to kind of set up my own office. I like being able to come in here at night if I if I feel like it. I like being able to dodge out for lunch with my kids and I like being able to you know, take a nap in the afternoon uh, mm-hmm. and catch up in the evening. So it works out nicely. So you have a fairly flexible work day. Yes, it is fairly flexible. I try to keep it on a pre- as as simple as I as consistent as I can, mm-hmm. but it's open. Really, this is the first time I've ever experienced this, but it is absolutely not about the number of hours I put in and much more about like, are we getting the stuff done that we said we needed to get done? Right. Which that's always what I, what you kind of hope for and idealize whenever you're a young developer, you're like, isn't it, shouldn't it be about that? But it's really hard to make it about those things because you think, well, if we get all that stuff done in half the time, then shouldn't we be doing more? Right. So, Although uh, it, it becomes slightly less ideal when, when you realize that you're not going to get all the stuff that, that you had intended to done by, you know, Whatever deadline and, and, uh, and so, you know, when, when hours are immaterial, sometimes the, uh, sometimes you wind up working a lot more rather than a lot less, but. It is true. I, at the same time, like, I, I find that that kind of goes in seasons, right? Like, I'll have some, sometimes whenever I'm working, you know, the 30 to 35 hours a week. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes whenever I'm working the 50 to 55 and it seems to balance out. I mean, it's not, it's always, you know, if you probably average it around, you know, 45 or so, it's not bad. Right. That's good. That's good. You know, it's, it's good. You know, if you're going to have that, that kind of results, results oriented work environment, um, it's good to have a team that, you know, at least has some balance and, and isn't always in crisis mode. Yeah. I think crisis mode is actually hard to get to whenever you're, whenever you're basically right, right now we're so early on in the process that we're still just trying to get the, the product kind of launched and in use mm-hmm. and so uh that changes there's a lot about that I've, I've actually had to do a lot of work i think there's just just a function of being part of a startup like i've had to do lots of marketing oriented work and uh, metrics and like a lot of stuff that you just wouldn't consider developer yeah it's still fun right it mm-hmm. teaches you something you didn't know are there any lessons that you brought with you uh from your earlier experiences with with having remote people on a team that you know informed how you how you dealt with your coworkers at this new job. Yeah. So we had used Google Hangouts at a previous job. And one of the things that that really provided us was a sense of knowing the other people, just because you got to see them and their facial expressions and all that stuff. And that made a really big difference when we went from Skype as the hangout mechanism to Google Hangouts Mm -hmm. uh, for our remote worker in Florida. And that was so tremendous that I said, Hey guys, when we, when we came here, we need to have a stand up. We need to have some video because we need to start seeing each other as, you know, these people who are, are interacting that there's, we're all equals and all this, all this kind of stuff. And that made it, I don't know why video does that, but it seems to have a really different effect than audio only. Yeah. At least the other stuff was actually a little bit trickier. I, 
I learned the value of HipChat, but I haven't been able to really use it very well with my current uh, job just because there's not very many other developers. So the discussions uh, that we have don't don't warrant themselves too much. You don't have the, the kind of like moment-by-moment, uh, moment, hey, can you take a look at this? Or, right. you know, does somebody know XYZ conversations? Right. Yeah. That's right. Those kind of things, yeah. But as soon as we added another developer, like I would make that like like the primary, be like, this is how we're going to be doing it. Because mm-hmm. I, I think that's that kind of stuff is uh, critical for a, a remote team. Yeah. So that's been my experience. It seems like there's there's kind of a stigma about distributed startups, you know, in the, the whole startup scene. I mean, have you experienced that? Have you do, do people look at you funny for, for doing the distributed startup thing? Well, I haven't actually had very many people look at me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess there's that. <laughs> I I, I mean, haven't have you had... ever had any, any nervousness about it? So not so my, my biggest, the biggest nervousness has, uh, was related to, hey, I'm leaving a job that has, you know, a company with however much money backing it, you know, millions of dollars backing it to a bootstrapped company. The, the thing that was actually nice is because it was bootstrapped, like these guys sold their company a, a few years back for a bunch of money and mm-hmm. right, they got plenty. So we're not, we're not kind of like strapped to these VC, you know, that kind of, the, the problems that come along there. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with VC funding, but there, there's certain kinds of problems that come. Right. And so I just haven't seen like it hasn't been a problem because like I don't when you whenever you mentioned like there's a bunch of stigmas related to like remote startups, I haven't experienced those because you know my entire experience has been with these guys who were completely comfortable with it. Fair enough. And so Fair enough. I don't know. I don't uh, know how that And I guess that's well, just based on their earlier experiences. I, I suppose so. They haven't really been working for uh most of the last five years due to some non compete, so I don't know how they how they, why they are comfortable with it, but they seem to be. Interesting. Uh, maybe, I, like, what are some of the stigmas that you've, that you've, uh, well, I mean, the, the usual thing is, is just the idea that, you know, a, a distri- distributed startup can't move fast. Uh, uh. They, they don't have sufficient communication and so they can't, they can't move fast. Interesting. I'm curious, did you know the founders, um, before they hired you or how did they, how did you get hooked up with them? They actually got hooked up on a, um, on a Ruby, user group from Austin. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had looked around for a bunch of different people. The thing is, is most of the people that they knew from before, they had signed an agreement that they wouldn't work with. <laughs> so they kind of, uh, they, were, they were trying to find somebody they didn't know. So that was actually one of the things that, that led them to me. But hey, I mean, uh, typically my experience has uh, been that I've enjoyed the jobs the most where I m- met the people, uh, they already knew the people. Right. But I mean, this is maybe the exception to the rule. How did you win their trust and, you know, convince them that that you could make their product a reality, even though, you know, you weren't going to be sitting in the same room with them? Well, basically, I sat with them over lunch and said, hey, this is how I would attack this problem. This is what I would expect to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's let's all go and spend three days together where we hash everything out. And they said, oh, this guy has a plan. And just having a plan was enough for them. Mm-hmm. Like they, they're trying, they're like, look, we have this idea. We know it's, it's possible. We know the market. We need somebody with a plan. So the mm-hmm. plan was the biggest, the biggest thing that they needed. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is I had proven work. Uh, so the, the, my previous employer, I had gone from, I, I basically started off with them as the only developer at that particular place. And I wasn't remote, mm-hmm. but I was the only developer and I built up a system 
from the ground up and we built it into a team of 10 people. But, mm-hmm. uh, that was the, the big piece of trust that they needed too. They were like, look, we know this guy can, this guy built something on his own for two years. Uh, I, we pretty sure he can do it again. So mm-hmm. yeah, that was, that, I think that was the big thing. Just past experience, big deal. Right. Oh, good point. Let's talk about the whole work-life balance thing a little bit, and and particularly, are there aspects of your life that would not be possible um, if you were working at an office? Yeah, so I get to have lunch with my kids every day. That's mm. awesome. I get to stay stay here uh, while my while my wife goes and you know takes some kids to. I mean, we have four kids, so mm. the likelihood of them all needing to go to one place is pretty low. Sure, yeah. <laughs> so like being able to just you know, say, Hey, I'm going to stay here and you know, these kids are going to take a nap and these kids are going to go off to gym or whatever. Uh, like those things, uh, matter quite a bit. The other thing is I really, I, I appreciate the flexibility that, that, uh, comes with just being able to being, being remote, being able to have my own, my own setup in my own house. Yeah. That's, that's the biggest, that's my, my biggest thing right now. What's your setup like? Yeah. So I have a MacBook Pro. Uh, I got a retina. Earlier, earlier this year, I use just the MacBook. I don't have any additional monitors. I, f- I found that if I got dependent on uh, an additional monitor, then it was difficult to move around. So I've learned to just work on a single screen. I'm in my closet, in my uh, my master closet, in my uh, because there was no room for to just have a dedicated office space. So I've been in here for the last year, uh, which means that if you uh, were video calling me right now, you'd see a bunch of clothes in the background. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got a, I've actually got a standing desk. So okay. uh, that's actually something that helps me uh, have a little bit more room in my closet on top of the fact that I end up with, I think, you know, it keeps me a little bit more active. I didn't have any, like, didn't do anything crazy. All I really did was just took an Ikea desk and, like, jacked it up on on top of a couple of boxes. Mm-hmm. But that's been um, actually really good. Uh, I, I feel a lot healthier, and my uh, back doesn't hurt nearly as much and all that other fun stuff. And so, Do you stand all day? I stand most of the day, yeah. I wow. stand probably about, I'd say I stand about five hours out of the day. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and probably sit in... I do. I usually do pomodoros. So I don't know how many people that you know actually use the pomodoro technique, but it's probably worth, find, worth describing briefly what it's about. Yeah. So the pomodoro technique is base. The basic idea is you set yourself up in time chunks of 25 minutes, where you take 20 uh, a five minute break after each one. And the goal, the the thing that makes this thing worthwhile, is that the goal is not to finish something in the 25 minutes. The goal is to just be working on one thing for that duration of time and not be interrupted. Mm-hmm. That's the entire idea. Anyway, I use that, and that helps me kind of like stay on task while I'm uh, while I'm working. And so during those five minute breaks, I'll often like take a seat and uh, play something on my phone, or you know, walk out and see the kids or something like that. So pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Anyway, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, um, I tried the standing desk thing for a while. I'd like to get back to it, but I did find that I wasn't able to su- sustain it for super long periods of time. Um, but does that mean you weren't able to stand for a long period of time during the day, or you weren't able to stand like for like weeks at a time? Like after a while, it just uh during the like during a given day. Okay. Yeah. The have you ever seen Geek Desk? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I want one. 
<laughs> I want one. They're just so expensive. They are. They are. I've, I, them and, and some of their competitors. I've, I've been eyeing one of those for a while because I think it'd be nice to be able to, to work standing part of the day. I mean, it's, it's actually true for me that, that part of the day I want to work standing. Like I actually physically, you know, I can feel that kind of nervous yep. energy that I want to stand up and I can't. Right. But then, you know, I did find that, that after several, after a few hours of it, you know, my, my feet would start to get really fatigued and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I've, I, uh, the, the couple of things that I did that made a, made a difference. I realize this is not the standing desk podcast, so I don't want to go too far. <laughs> but, uh, uh, the, I, I put a, a couple of rugs down below, which actually yeah. like, like really helps, uh, cause that made a big difference. And I also work barefoot. So that kind of, uh, I don't know, between that and, I actually have, uh, I'm a drummer and I have an old drum throne that I use, uh, that like jacks up, whenever you jack it up all the way, I can sit down and like comfortably kind of, at, I'm at the standing desk, but and I'm not standing, but I can like kind of like look at things on the screen, move around and like, I wouldn't want to code like that, but I can. Okay. Kind of do some, it gives like, I think it's easier to buy the desk you want for cheap and jack it up and then buy an expensive seat that lowers and raises than it is to do yeah. the other way around. Yeah, I can see what I can see what you mean there. Anyway, yeah. So one of the things that I wanted to wanted to talk about was the the fact that because I'm on uh, because I'm remote and because I'm the only guy on my team, like how do you grow as a developer there? That's that's a great uh, question. Do you have any answers for that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well. That was actually one of the biggest reasons why about like a month and a half ago, I started setting up you know, like pair with me hours. So I do pair with me nine to 10 uh, every Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. And it took me about three weeks before a pair with me session stuck and I actually got to do it. But since then, it's basically been book solid and just getting to like some of it is just like, hey, I'm getting to interact with, and like pass some stuff along to junior developers. Mm-hmm. And learning how to do the remote stuff like Tmux and Vim and all that other thing, that's a big deal. It's like, man, uh, now I feel like I feel completely unencumbered by the, you know, location of two developers. Now, if I have somebody that I want to work with in, say, York, uh, uh, we could just, you know, drop together and, you know, we could pair on something for an hour or two and be, be done. And I, I mean, I don't, I'm not worried about having another, uh, having another developer on the team from anywhere. But on top of that, uh, I mean, that's just, that's just the really most basic thing that you get. But then on, on top of that, just like seeing other developers, okay, this is how they use Vim. This is how they, uh, you know, do TDD. This is uh, like some Ruby trick that they know. This is the kind of the way they solve a problem. Those are uh, the most valuable, but like sometimes the hardest to get to. And those pair with me sessions have been like really, really awesome. So yeah. And you've really, been, you've been blogging about your se- sessions, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, after I started, uh, I saw some guy like after one of his sessions with Katrina Owen, he, I think it was Matt, uh, man, I can't remember his last name, but Matt R on Twitter, he basically, you know, blogged a little bit and said, this is the thing that I got. And man, it was really great. Uh, and this was the good and the bad. And I was like, man, we need that for other pair with me sessions because it would be great if like all the people who were doing this really started saying, this is the experience that I had here. Here's the lessons learned. Uh, like, oh, this, uh, like both to say, look, you can go learn these same lessons or, or, or really grab hold of these and internalize these lessons. And 
like here, don't make the same mistakes I did. Right. So I've been doing that, um, basically vlogging after each session for most of the, I think, I think I've gotten pretty much all of them, uh, except for the one that I did last night. So that's, yeah, I've been, I've been really enjoying your notes. I appreciate that. Appreciate that. It's been, it's been kind of a fun experience so far. And I guess it does seem true to say that, um, if you want to know what it's like and want to know if you want to get more ready, I guess, you know, to work with others remotely, pairing with random people on open source software is probably a great way to do it. I mean, assuming you're a programmer and that's what you do. Right. Um, so how do you elect when you're doing a pair? How do you elect for which open source software you work on? When I was doing more of it, uh, of course, I still I still get on good weeks. I get in a, a session a week. But uh, I, I I don't know I I usually try to just ask whoever I'm pairing with you know to have something in mind because usually somebody has a project that they're interested in. Mm. Um, occasionally I'll have something that I'm just I happen to be working on at the time and you know I'll just say hey if, if you don't have anything in mind I've got this thing I'm working on right now do you want to work on it with me but uh, but it's, yeah it's usually just either something I'm working on or something that they are either working on or curious about and you know sometimes that means just like sort of pair diving into a, a new project and and figuring out how it fits together now do you usually schedule those pairs based on this is a, a project we're like we're both interested in or this is somebody i want to pair with for me it's it's pretty much all people contact me and and uh, i keep keep kind of a list of people that have asked about pairing with me gotcha gotcha okay well that's that's pretty uh it's, it's pretty interesting. I, I found that to be maybe the most difficult part is um, whenever you get together to say, look, let's work on this problem because, uh, I mean, there there's like a handful of like things that I'd like to work on and they're not necessarily things that everybody else is interested in. Right. Or, you know, and, not, and they don't always have like sometimes we're both like, eh, I don't know. And then you end up doing like some TDD kata and like it's nice a few times and then it's like, OK, <laughs> it's time, time to move along. Right, right. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think we're still kind of evolving uh, practices for this whole uh, random remote pairing thing. It's pretty cool, though. I, like, it's been really, really, really fun to to do that. That's been maybe one of the most rewarding things I've gotten to do for the last uh, over the last year or so. so very cool. Uh, for the benefit of those who are doing uh, remote pair programming, whether just for fun or for work, uh, what is your favorite software setup? So I've used like the Google Hangouts and I've used Skype uh, for like the audio and and stuff. And I think G Google Hangouts, maybe the hardest part about Google Hangouts is like figuring out how to answer the damn call. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know why that is, but man, those things like they did not make that uh, like an easy thing. There's like 15 different ways to find it anyway. So I'd almost like recommend Skype, especially since most most of what you need is audio. You can like start vi a video at first to say hello and then like drop off the audio whenever you're doing a pairing. And then beyond that, I've used Screen Hero and I think I've tried like one other like screen sharing thing. And then I've also done the Tmux and Vim. And I would like almost entirely go Tmux and Vim where you, they SSH into your box or into uh, like a, uh, a slice somewhere that you've set up. And I love that setup. And mm -hmm. the thing that I would actually really encourage people who like, because most of the reason why that setup doesn't work is you have somebody who's scared of them right. or somebody who doesn't like whatever, using whatever editor. And I say, hey, if you're scared of them, go ahead and pair with me 
And one of the things you're going to learn is like a handful of things. I'll tell you exactly which keystrokes to, to type so you can get into insert mode or whatever. And then you can actually learn Vim. That's, that's actually been, I, I've taught people the basics of Vim in, you know, a 20 minute, the 20 minutes at the very beginning. And they're like, Oh wow, this is, this is so easy. Right. Easier than I thought. I, w- I shouldn't have been scared. Nice. Nice. That's what I like. Very cool. Well, Mark, this has been a great conversation. Um, before I let you go, where can people find out more about you online and, uh, and about your, your projects and, uh, hey, where can they go to, uh, to pair with you? Awesome. Those are great questions. So you can find out more online. I have a website called quarternotecoda.com. That's just my personal kind of like developer blog. You can do blog.quarternotecoder.com. That can uh, get basically has all my pair with me sessions listed on there and some random other uh, thoughts and developer things. You can find me on GitHub at MarkSim or Twitter at MarkSim. And I have, uh, I have a couple of little tiny projects there, but, uh, nothing's, uh, been updated there because most of my work is still, uh, commercial. And, uh, if they want to pair with me, uh, you can either go to Let's Pair and, like, find, uh, find things on there, letspair.net, or you can just hit me up on Twitter. Either one of those is great. Cool. Well, Mark, thanks a lot. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. And that is our show for today. Hope you've enjoyed it. Subscribe to the show if you haven't already. Go to yteams.com. You can also find the show in the iTunes Music Store. The Y-Teams podcast is distributed under the Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 license. Our music is by Giles Boquette. Until next week, this is Avdi Grimm, signing off. Wow, 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 wow,